This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey guys, welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. Me, Dan, the fitness man. How you doing? Uh, probably spending your time at home. Hopefully you're taking advantage of this unprecedented era where we're forced to be home in self-quarantine, where we're forced to hopefully tackle those things you've been procrastinating, maybe build up your honey to your honeydew bank list. You know, I have been absolutely hammering out my wife's list, and I know she has a list every year, and this one was pretty daunting, and I just been taking advantage of the time now and getting it knocked out. Uh, went out to Idaho, checked the snowpack because bear opens up. And you know what? Uh, I don't have tracks on a four-wheeler and I don't have a sled, so I pretty much couldn't get anywhere. So it's going to be a while before. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to go out for the opening bear, but it's going to be snowshoes. And uh, as far as shed hunting goes, where I go in Idaho, I mean, it's pretty popular. It seemed like the locals were taking advantage of their time not at work as well and shed hunting everywhere I went was either wolf tracks or human tracks so uh not the best session in the woods but it was nice to get away I was fortunate enough to buy my bear tag a couple of weeks ago I kind of had a feeling once Washington State started closing down fishing and youth turkey and now they've closed turkey season I bought my Idaho bear tag and then Idaho announced that you can't uh you can't go buy tags until further notice so Bummer, man. I hope that's not you guys, but uh, I do have a tag, so I'm going to head out and hit the opener. I'm excited about that. Uh, today, we are bringing on Callie Bowhunter. 
Callie Bowhunter. We did this podcast actually recorded about a month ago, maybe more. It's just I've been I had so many podcasts lined out that just didn't get to it till now. So it's going to be a good episode. You're going to enjoy that. Learn his story about archery. His weight loss is incredible. Uh, he's, you know, had some things happen in life, you know, with being married, kids, divorce, losing weight, transformation, getting into bow hunting, uh, working at a bow shop, tuning, uh, all that kind of stuff. Great conversation today. This podcast is brought to you by none other than Vortex Optics. Thank you guys for your continued support as well as Kinetrek Boots, uh, Matthews Archery, Grim Reaper Broadheads, Phelps Game Calls, Baku E-Bikes, Wilderness Athletes, Sika Gear, Climate, Hamski, Easton, Tight Spot, Black Gold, Lakewood Products, Off-Grid Food Co., Crossover Symmetry, and of course, Hard Work. Delayed gratification, discipline, and being accountable to yourself. Let's get into this episode. I hope you all are doing well. I appreciate your support. You got a lot of choices out there. So when you download Elk Shape Podcast, it means a lot to us. Let's get going. Dude, Cali Bowhunter in the house. Yes, sir. That's a cool name because you're probably like the only bowhunter in California, right? <laughs> Uh, I know most of my, my, most of my buddies, uh, are archery hunters, actually. If they don't duck hunt, they're archery hunters for the most part. Yeah. I mean, one of my good buddies, actually, my buddy, Matt, I went bear hunting with him this year and he almost solely bow hunts. He actually just tried to get into, uh, he picked himself a trad bow and he wants to go after ducks with his trad bow now. Oh, that's next level. Yeah, that's a, it's a little bit above my pay grade, but uh, more power to him. He hasn't got anything yet, but he just picked that up uh, like the season ended ooh, a week or two ago, I think. He picked that up right before season ended, so he didn't really, I think he only got one chance out there to get anything, and he airballed a few shots. Yeah. So you, you've been into archery, like you wrote down that you've been – archery dude since you were 12 is that right yeah um that's crazy almost 20 years now yeah i'll be 32 in march my dad went back when you couldn't order anything online i don't even know if cabela's had a website or if there's even a website back then but he ordered a uh one of those cheap fred bear bows back in the day um on the catalog came in shot it a bunch and uh, learned real quick that I was, I kind of outgrew it right out the gate. And my, my pops really saw that I had a passion for it. So went to the local shop that actually, uh, it's no longer around. It burned down. The guy forgot to leave. He left his burner on when he was burning the hot melt uh, wax and burnt the place down. But uh, shooting a PSE beast or the beast, um shot that for a while got my first uh deer with that thing shot a couple turkeys with it a couple pigs yeah california you have to be 12 to harvest any large game animals so unfortunately i had to wait till then to get into actually hunting myself um before then i was just a bird dog for my dad and his buddies uh doing pheasant hunts and stuff like that well i think i've talked to California folks before that are bow hunters on this podcast 
I got love for California as far as bow hunting. I mean, you guys get a killer early archery deer season. Killer. You have you guys are covered in bears. Insane. And it's got some serious good mountains and I probably can't say the name of the mountain range I've been in because you're on, but if you weren't, I would say it. But just some of the wildernesses I was in, man, it's just like unreal, beautiful. Some of the most beautiful country I've hunted was in California. So you're hunting like great opportunity throughout the state. Is it just kind of Northern Cal or have you messed with that deserty South East California? Are you just in the foothills by your house? Where, Where do you hunt? majority of the stuff that I've been hunting up till just recently was around where I live in, uh, I live in Sunnyvale, which is about an hour or so South of San Francisco. Um, I was fortunate enough to know a few people that had some land in the area. So I was able to harvest, uh, my first deer in a pretty urban environment. Actually. I mean, within any distance we we're a hundred to 200 yards from a house. So, um, up in the mountains hunting that was relatively easy per se. I mean, you could pattern them really easy. And then this, I haven't ever done any of the Southeastern state. Um, the further South I've really gone is central California, like Paso Robles, King city. And, um, we actually used to lease some land down in Paso Robles area um, for deer. There's two ranches out there, several thousand acres. And um, we went on it, uh, went in on the lease with a few of my, uh, back when I was in Little League, some of the family members that was there, we went in on this lease for two ranches down there. And uh, we set it up to where the kids were able to harvest first. So, um, in California, you're only allowed to harvest two deer per hunter per year. Okay. And strictly in the zone, we hunt a zone, which is the largest zone in the state. It goes from, Ooh, I want to say it goes up like, uh, Lake County, which is North of, uh, San Francisco, uh, probably about an hour or so North of that all the way down South to Santa Barbara. And it's the full coast out to I five. It's a majority of the state. And, um, so that is actually the zone that opens up real early, um, for archery. It opens every year, the second Saturday in July. Um, then goes into August. It's shut down for four days until general season, which opens the second Saturday in August. And then that runs till the, uh, the third Sunday in September. So archery, you get a huge advantage, obviously to get in there before all the people go guns a blazing. Yeah, but it's crowded though. I think I've talked about this before, but where I hunted, there was like, 20 something trucks and trailers at one trailhead and then i went to the other trailhead there was like maybe even more the parking lot was first off uh, insanely big 30 plus you know maybe not all hunters but we hiked into a really good meadow to set up camp and we did we set up camp next to five other bow hunter camps and from my camp i could see bears on every ridge um and then to find a blacktail, I actually, 
eventually killed one, but uh, saw a lot of bow hunters, had some stocks ruined, and I was just like, looking back, I mean, if I knew then what I know now, I would have just gone deeper. But then again, that still wouldn't really guarantee that you got away from people. There was dudes with horses and stock and stuff, but that's insane amount of pressure. I mean, is that what you're, is that your norm, Austin? Uh, it, well, obviously on private land, no, but the public land that I've really dove into this year, um, public land around here is hunted really hard. Um, I did a lot of hunting in the Mendocino, um, forest and that's, um, it's a little West of Chico where I was hunting. And, uh, when I went in, I was actually, I had already tagged out with my deer this year and I wanted to go after bear. I kind of went, um, just a hail Mary pass up there. One of my buddies kind of gave me an area where he's seen bears before. I've never bear hunted. Um, didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, threw clothes in a bag, had my pack, set my bow up, started driving out. So I get there and it was the last weekend of archery bear season. And in California, it's only a fall season for bears. So um, that zone, archery bear actually coincided with uh, that zone's deer season for archery. And so when I was up there, there was a few people. Um, a lot of people were hunting the road, to be honest with you. There's a lot of lazy people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, We've heard that on this podcast many times. Yeah, it's insane how a lot of people drive hours. I mean, it takes me any given day. I'll leave here on a Friday after work, and it takes me about five hours to get there. If there is no traffic, it would take probably just under three hours. However, I'm not going to drive all that time and spend all that money on fuel just to get up there to sit in my truck and look out the window. And I think a lot of people do that here specifically. Um, I haven't done any public land hunting out of state, but I would assume it's fairly universal. that There's a lot of road hunters. However, when I was doing the bear even just getting like a mile off the road, you're kind of by yourself. Well, where I was hunting in Mendocino, there is a good amount of bears, but you you got to put in the miles. You got to hike them. The first day I saw two bears, um, and funny enough, I saw them on the road going to where I wanted to hunt. Well, the first bear I saw, I, uh, I didn't even get a shot at it. It was at 60 yards walking. And I just did not feel comfortable about the shot. So I didn't, I was doing archery. So I didn't even want to take that shot. Second bear I saw for maybe all of two seconds, they were both feeding on manzanitas. Um, It's real heavy, dense manzanita brush and scrub oak up there. Once I got off the the roads and hiked a little bit, you could see a lot of, uh, a lot of sign, a lot of scat. There was a lot of, uh, you could see them raking on the trees. I was unfortunate in the fact that I kind of didn't know what I was doing. So I was kind of just meandering around the woods and I was kind of focused. Well, I was thinking more of deer where I'd be able to sit down, glass them up and kind of be able to put a decent stock on them. And that area isn't super conducive for that. There's not a lot of open area where I was. So what time of year was this? 
The the first trip was uh, into September. So what was their food source? Manzanita berries. That like ninety nine percent of the things that I saw in their scout was manzanita berries. Yeah, that's going to be tough when they're covered up in those dense brush. You know, brush. They can stay in there and be hidden from you. It's going to be really tough. And then you know, it's almost. That's the thing about bears, y'all. Is like you have to figure out their food source and then understand how you're going to hunt that. I mean. Unless you're willing to put a tree stand over a really big patch and hope that you're on the right bear trail, it's going to be tough to spot and stock that, um, which, you know, which is interesting. So when you guys don't have a spring season either, right? Like no over-the-counter spring season? Not at all. Not for bear. No, not very unfortunate. I would love to be going after bear here soon, but it starts archery. There's an archery season and then. It's kind of a weird setup. So there's an archery season this year. It started August 17th and it went till the end of September. But for bear, it opens with general season deer for that zone. Okay. It goes till December 29th or until the quota has been filled, which it hasn't for the last, I think it's five years since they banned hunting with hounds. Oh yeah. I was the, I was set to hunt with a, a guy with hounds the year they got banned so that was when i was there last and that's just i still haven't done that that's a bummer but um you know that early august it's going to be hot if you're in the mountains bears will water almost daily when it's hot finding a good water source would be good and maybe you know, it's tough though if you're going for deer to switch gears and go for bear. ADD doesn't work for me when I'm hunting. Like, for example, if I get a, if I'm going elk hunting and I can pick up a deer tag, I usually don't, just because I'm focused on elk. But uh, doesn't mean I won't see a bunch of mule deer. But uh, I don't know. I think to get a big bear on berries, that would be a pretty delicious bear to shoot. And I don't know how long, when do those manzanine berries, like when do they start and when do they kind of dry up? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know when they start. I mean, um, they were in full bloom when I was up there in September. Um, I went hunting, I went on 11 trips by myself, um, just kind of weekend warrioring it. Did that, that was uh, Mendocino. I did 10 trips there all in different areas and I would kind of uh, camp in one area and then drive out in different areas from there. And then I hunted in Lassen, my last trip actually in December, there was a massive snowstorm that came through and my buddy Matt and I went up there during the snow and that was actually pretty awesome. I've, I've hunted in the snow when I went out to South Dakota a bunch of times, but doing the archery hunt in the snow, being able to see the tracks and kind of know where they're going was super awesome. Um, and there's still berries on the manzanita there. Um, however, I noticed that they didn't eat that as much as they did when they were in Mendocino. They were, um, there was a lot more hair in it. So they're a lot more predatory in the fact that they're probably going for small rodents, rabbits, fox, whatever. Um, that Lassen area where we are hunting is actually the largest deer corridor migration corridor in California. And so I think what we went there for is hoping that they are still coming down, trying to chase the, the deer, like the last stragglers coming down. 
we saw one bear but didn't get super comfortable shot at it and i just don't want to wound a bear and go schlepping through the woods trying to find that thing that would suck yeah it's super easy to wound bears you know uh, I always kind of tell people aim middle of the middle on bears or just slightly towards the heart from middle of the middle, which is, you know, it's crazy. People are like, what? It, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good tactic not to get away from bears though, but we got to kind of talk about more than just California, but I want to finish with, do you have points for antelope or mule deer close to Nevada, uh, or elk in California? So I'm, I've been, uh, applying for them. I haven't gotten one yet. I've actually, I was fortunate enough to harvest an elk a long time ago. My dad's sales rep had, um, some land that he actually had, um, landowner tags for the Tulio. And I was fortunate enough to get a, uh, real nice seven by seven when I was younger. Um, I haven't ever, harvest an elk since then i was 13 or 14 i think um i've gone on an elk hunt out in new mexico on private ranch and at first we were going to go for cow elk saw bull elk wanted to do that and just never connected with that but my dad's got a few elk but i'd like to get into elk a lot more Uh, my buddy and i are planning on going to colorado probably next year we're over the counter um, and then I was really wanting to try to do something where I could drive to get out to possibly like Oregon and do an over the counter. I know that it, that place is inundated with a bunch of public land hunters as well. So I don't know how well I would do, especially being pretty, uh, greenhornish when it comes to elk hunting. So, well, you just got to go for it and you got to get, you got to get seasons under your belt. You got to get encounters, and you got to screw it up like 500 times until you start figuring out what to do, man. Uh, that's what it takes. And, you know, I don't know what the number is as far as how many hours it takes to become a, quote, expert. But whatever that number is, I'm definitely getting up there when it comes to fitness. And I am probably have enough hours elk hunting, but I'm not an expert yet because that's just – there's just so much to it, man. Like I, you, there's just so much to learn no matter what level you're at. And, uh, it's a fun process and you're young, man. You're in your thirties. It's like, now's your prime time to get going. So I want you to get that Oregon tag and just go back year after year and start learning your area and learn it better and expand it and cut your teeth. And Oregon's got some killer seasons, but I was, how do you pronounce those? Is it Tule elk or tool elk? Yeah. Tule elk. Like the, it's named after like the brush that they eat, the tulies out in the marshlands. They're yeah. a marsh. They're marshland elk in California only. How hard is it to get a tag for you residents? So it kind of depends. You could enter into a lottery drawing and um, get into that. The ta- uh, the enter or the entrance fee or whatever is like it goes up every year. I think it's right around six or seven bucks and it is a slim chance to win that. But mm-hmm. there are certain areas that you can enter into the, um, one of the prize places, which isn't very far from where I'm living. It's called Grizzly Island. And the habitat there is just perfect for the Tule elk. They're, uh, Tule elk's known for being a super, super small elk. I think their average weight in, like throughout the state, uh, big bull elk is going to be like 550 to 600 pounds. But the 
the Grizzly Island elk can get upwards to like what a Rocky Mountain elk would be right around a thousand pounds or more. Now, okay, I have read about this. Like these are the weird, they just get so big with the good feed and stuff. They're, they're upwards of like a thousand pound elk, but they're toolies, right? Yeah, they're massive. And just the management system that they got in place for these specific elk is amazing. However you can, they do do a fundraiser hunt for them where you can purchase it during an auction. And uh, you're going to laugh at this, but some of those tags go upwards of like forty to $50,000. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, it's, um, but you're getting a world-class Tulio and uh, you get the, all the amenities and stuff set up for that. And that most of those are through like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or like a Mule Deer Foundation dinner that you can go to and purchase those. Yeah, dude. I, I've always kind of in the back of my mind wanted to hunt Tulis, but I'm not in the game and I'm okay with hunting Rockies and I've actually never even hunted Rosies and I have Rosies in the state I live in, but I don't, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about Yellowstone elk, man. I like Rocky mountain elk. Uh, so, okay. So let's geek out on archery, man. You seem like just kind of interacting with you on socials. You're, you're pretty, uh, nerdy on archery. Where are you at on that process? Are you doing your own stuff at your house yet? Uh, what's your setup? Like, let's go down that road. So my first job ever was at a small shop in the town I grew up in and I started selling firearms and then we actually started picking up archery into that. And I started working on bows there. Um, the owners didn't quite know a lot about it, but we were trying to pick up on that shop that I spoke about originally that burnt down and, um, started working there, learning the ropes, kind of just by trial and error they went to a bunch of uh ata shows and have the manufacturers there and um kind of learned from that in the process so worked there for five years and uh after that just started tinkering with my bows uh, obviously in the field every once in a while something goes wrong so you gotta macgyver some things so i learned from doing that as well and then this year so i was shooting for the last 12 years uh, I've been shooting a Matthews Adrenaline, and I killed a bunch of animals with that thing. And finally, uh, got enough money to save up to get a new bow. I've wanted a new bow for a while, so I ended up getting the same bow that you actually got, the VXR, the 31 and a half. And uh, my press wouldn't work with it, so I just yesterday got in that Easy Green press. Oh, yeah. Dude, where'd you buy it from? I bought it from Fulcrum Archery online. They're the cheapest one I could find, and their customer service is absolutely ridiculous. It's so awesome. Here's a word of caution for those thinking about getting Last Chance. I love Last Chance, but I was talking to the owner actually today corresponding, and he told me that people are selling them on Amazon and that they're like not – people are getting crappy, broken down Last Chance presses like – hand-me-downs is what's on Amazon fulfillment and then the warranty is only good if you buy it from last chance so like it's been a headache he's trying to figure out how to get that off of Amazon so I guess I'm just saying for those thinking about getting their own press which I would have I wish I would have bought one 10 years ago I'd say buy one from last chance directly if you can so anyways so you did you do the whole setup yourself the bow setup, yeah. So the only thing I purchased the bow from a local pro shop, 
And then I ended up getting the Hamski Trinity with the Microtune. Mm-hmm. And since I bought it through them, they just slapped it on for me. Um, and then I kind of piecemealed it all together. I, uh, I had the CBE Engage site on it. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, the site's pretty good. I have some complaints about the hardware on it. The It's not very good with the hardware. Everything else is great. I actually ended up having the third axis seize on me and I had to mill it out and put in some high grade stainless stuff and the gang adjustment on the housing for elevation. They're super, super small little Allen's, uh, Allen screws and those strip out super easy. Oh gosh. So I had to get, so it was a nightmare. So you'd shoot and it would rattle and then the whole housing would slide and it would, your day's ruined if you didn't have anything to fix it. So I got some hardware with a larger, like a socket head cap and tighten that down. So it's right as rain now. Absolutely love the site though. The pins on that's absolutely ridiculous. They're super bright. Got the Hampton Trinity. I'm rocking a, a five arrow tight spot quiver and uh, got the shrewd, a 12 inch shrewd uh, raid up front. Um, in the process of doing a back bar, I, I have one of my old fuse uh it's an eight and a half inch stabilizer in the back mm-hmm. for back off the the atlas attachment shooting the a 260 spine five millimeter axis what is your draw length uh, 30 inches yeah okay that makes sense a 30 inch uh draw i got the 75 pound mods and um i have the arrows cut at 30 inches so they're just in front of the riser what kind of fletching uh, do you do? I got a the four fletch uh, Max Stealth, mm-hmm. and I got a the uh, four inch wrap on the back. And I'm shooting nocturnals, so the arrow the arrow's weighing right around five hundred and thirty grains. That'll do. What do you put on the front? What's on the business end? So last season I was shooting the Severs, the one point fives, and I did good with those. I got a Two, one or two turkeys, shot a pig, got a pasture on the pig at 40. Nice. In the ground. It was it cut it through butter. And then both my deer pastures. And then this year, I've always been kind of like you, uh, been a fixed blade guy myself. And I've had issues in the past, especially with adrenaline. I had issues tuning any sort of fixed blade broadheads. And with the VXR, it's was super easy to tune anything so i ended up jumping on the bandwagon with the annihilators and those things have been shooting incredible absolutely incredible with those Hmm. i uh i took a hog with one last week actually 35 yards quartering away hit the onside of the hog right behind its shoulder blade through uh through the shielded area and blew through the shoulder on the other side and dropped it in sight. And I really can't complain about it. They fly great. I shot them out to 80 and they hit with my field tips. So I love it. I love geeking out. So on your CBE, do you do a sight tape? I'm assuming how many pins did you say it was? I got a five pin sight on it. Um, I almost went, I was kind of up in the air cause there is a lot of clutter up there, but I've been so used to those just having that clutter that I've I marked out the point to do a 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60 pin. 
And I just mark a one, two, like in my head, if I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, kind of going through it, or obviously it's a five. But when I go through it, I kind of just label them in that way. So when I range it, I'm able to, all right, go between two and three or whatever. And it's pretty easy for me to set up now. But I almost went with a one pen. Right. I could just see myself having so many issues with that, especially out west when you're a lot of the stuff that I'm hunting is um, pretty heavy brush. And so ranging something and then having to fiddle around and move the whole housing to get that to the exact range, I just didn't go with it. So I did the five pin so I can kind of uh, split pins if I need to. And then I have my 60 as the floater. And the cool thing with the CBE site, what you do is you side in your five pins. And then you take your 60-yard pin, now that you know it's dialed at 60, and you shoot, you raise it up and shoot at 20, uh, 20 or 30. And they have a little uh, measurement tape, and you measure with that tape that comes with the site, the hash marks, and then it tells you the site pin or the site tape number that you need. And then you just smack it on your site, and it's been spot on out to 100 yards, so... Yeah, it's probably a. I think I don't have a CB, but I'm sure it's a 2060 to get your sight tape. And even then, you got to like double check your ticks a little bit further out. I'm always farting around with sight tapes, just like really trying to make sure it's. I got the best one picked out. Um, there's some really good apps out there and Archer's Advantage software to like build your own tapes. But I see guys with tapes out to 120, out to 140. I. I'm good out to 100, and I don't shoot at animals out to 100. In fact, I shoot 100 off my deck, so I'm pretty, actually very blessed because we moved, and the house, the last house was like a brand new house, cookie-cutter neighborhood. I could get 20 yards maybe, and now now I shoot out to 100, which is awesome. But, man, what do you do? Are you living in right in town there and shooting in your backyard? Where do you go to shoot when you're a Cali bow hunter? <laughs> so I've I'm been pretty fortunate right now. So up until now, I can probably like you were saying stretch twenty, maybe thirty if I'm lucky, and it gets a little dodgy. You're shooting through like a open gate. And... <laughs> yep, been there. But uh, right now, where I live, um, we have a PG&E access road that's right behind our back gate, and. The stretch right behind our house, I can pull about 90 yards. So I'm able to throw a target out there, range it, and shoot 90 yards. Every once in a while, I have to trim the trees that are back there so I can actually get a decent shooting lane. But super blessed with being able to do that. Um, at lunch, at work, in the back uh, shipping area, uh, at any given day, I could shoot 30 to 40 yards. And then if the neighbors are getting any deliveries, I could shoot out to 60. And then a 10-minute drive from my house, there's a pretty good range um, up in the mountains there. And they have just a standard course that goes out to 70. And then you could hike the course. And I think their furthest target is 80 yards. So at any given time, I can get to a place to shoot quite easily and i mean there's a lot of ranges actually in the bay area which is kind of cool i mean a lot of people don't know about it there's i think there's like four or five ranges 
around the Bay Area, all within, no matter where you're at, all within like a 20, 30 minute drive. Some of them are indoor. Um, most of them are outdoor. You could do the standard uh, course where they have the hay bales set out on a flat range. Um, some of them only go to 60. The one I go to 70, a couple of them, you could stretch out. If uh, it's slow, you could stretch out to a hundred. If you really want to, it gets a little dodgy, kind of have to go into the parking lot area for those. But th- this area is pretty awesome when it comes to actually diving into the whole archery thing. There's some good pro shops around. Hey, where's Bob Fromm's uh, shop at? Is he near you? Bob Fromm or is he SoCal? I think he's SoCal. I'm not a hundred percent. I think it's called performance archery he's big he's an og man like if you guys never seen bob Fromm's dvds back in the day go find them maybe they're on youtube i gotta get bob Fromm on here uh, he's he's from i want to say he's like san diego area totally that sounds like him but yeah he's a stud you mentioned like you know your archery being in the archery shop kind of growing up but like okay now you're kind of a grown-ass man like you still kind of new to some elk hunting stuff and out west, but you're you're cutting your teeth. You're getting into it. I can tell. Like you're you're evolving. Who? What are some things like maybe some people in the industry or people we've never heard of that you kind of mentor or you look up to or great resources for those that are maybe in your shoes that are, you know, really getting ramped up into this whole archery bow hunting thing. Be honest with you. There's like I watch all your stuff. Obviously, everybody knows John Dudley. Um, Aaron Snyder, Joel Turner. I was watch. I actually picked him up off of your stuff. Um, that guy's super intense. Yeah, I love it. Somebody keeps making comments on YouTube that he looks like uh, Jim Carrey and me, myself, and Irene, and I can't deny it. I sorry, Joel, love you, but dude, we gotta get we gotta get him a different haircut, bro. He 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 does. If you haven't seen that stuff, guys, you could go watch that YouTube on my Elk Shape channel and see what I'm talking about. That is so I didn't even think about, it, but he's he really does. Um, yeah, that guy, he's got some good stuff. And a lot of the stuff is just like picking up from like the OGs at the archery range, man. You just talk and just sit down and talk to some of the guys that have been shooting forever. Mm, that's I, so money. So I love talking to people and I'll sit there and I'll go to a range expecting to shoot a boatload of arrows. And hours go by, and I'm like, I haven't shot an arrow, and I'm sitting talking to this guy that could probably be my grandfather that has been shooting forever. And they have all these little – everybody's got their own little way of doing things, and not everybody's things going to work for you. So, like, digesting everybody's content and taking it with, like, a grain of salt and kind of Blending it in with something that works with you is probably the best way to do anything, honestly. I mean, if you think about it, Joel Turner's stuff's awesome, but that might be too intense for someone. John Dudley's like bedside manner is awesome, and that works for a lot of people. It's just if you take everybody's thing and kind of just blend it into something that really, really resonates with you, I think that's the best way to do it. No, I totally agree. And, you know, YouTube's so powerful and podcasts and all the digital resources so dude you put this in your notes i'm going to bring it up and i'm apologize in advance but like you're a dad how many kids do you have you were married we got to talk about that and like unsolicited marital marital advice for those that have these bow hunting addiction and and best practices and got to get into it man so how many kids do you have 
I got three boys of my own. I got uh, Gavin. He's going to be nine in June. Wyatt is going to be six in March. And Everett's going to be four in July. Those are cool names. Yeah, you got the spread. And that's a lot of energy right there. Oh, my God. It's like wrangling cats. It's uh, it's pretty intense at times. And then other times, it's absolutely awesome. They love Wyatt, the, the middle child right now, is kind of going through a phase where he's really wanting to be a loner, kind of stick to himself. But uh, my oldest boy and my youngest are really diving into the whole archery thing. Yes. I, I'm loving it, too. So I got my three-year-old. He's shooting one of those uh, fiberglass longbows, like the Fred first shots or something like that. Fred Bear first shot. Yep. That's what my daughter shoots. Yeah, it's awesome. I just give him some of my scrap arrows, and mm-hmm. he just—he doesn't care if he hits the target or not. He is just flinging them. My oldest boy, Gavin, I just picked him up. He's been shooting a diamond atomic. The draw length was good on him. He could still adjust that, but the weight was a little too weak for him. He actually maxed it out um, about a month ago. So I went out and looked online, ended up winning a auction on a uh, mission craze bow mission made by Matthews. Whoever doesn't know that, but (laughs) yeah. Awesome bow, super sweet bow. The grip is similar to the engage grip. Um, I got it in a gray color to match mine kind of because he wanted a bow like his dad. So got that set up. I actually threw my old spot hog right, right on five pin on there for him. One of my followers actually is sending me a bee stinger, six inch stabilizer and a fused quiver for it as well. And he's going to be set up. So we've been shooting that. We're going to get him dialed in. He's, he's shooting some scrap arrows of mine as well, but I'm looking at getting some super light arrows for him. Not quite sure which way I want to go with it, but his draw is only 20 inches right now. So I, I don't want to get super short arrows and then have them outgrow it. So I'd probably do like a 25 inch arrow. And then I was thinking of something gold tip hunters or I wasn't sure if I was going to go like five millimeter, even micro diameter with it, but some on like the 500 spine and then just have him fling those till he feels comfortable and then get him a turkey hunt for his birthday um, when he gets old enough and get him squared away with that. Yeah, you're going to square him away, dude. So when you were married versus now, obviously, I think you have a lot more freedom to go hunting except for when you have the kids and balancing out, like talk to me because like, I try to like, it's not fun for me to advertise this, but like the only trouble I get in with my wife is it's over hunting. I don't, we don't get in fights over money. We don't get in fights over, I mean, maybe a little bit of how much I work. I'm kind of a workaholic, but like at the end of the day, the only the fast way for me to get in trouble is to not communicate my intentions, which believe it or not, they haven't changed since I've met her ten years ago. I want to hunt as much as possible, <laughs> and uh, I still have to like tell her like I'm trying to keep her up to date right now. Like, hey, honey, I'm putting in for this draw. Maybe I'll draw this. You know, eye rolls, but you know, at least she heard me say like. I'm putting in for Utah. I'm putting in for New Mexico. Hey, you know, I, I just put in for Arizona. I'm putting in for Wyoming, Montana, and stuff like that so she knows what I'm thinking. Um, did you do that when you were married? 
kind of. I mean, we we knew that deer season was July or June to September here, and that was kind of when I got to hunt. I didn't get to hunt nearly as much as I would have liked or even half of what I would have possibly liked um, when I was married. That whole That's a whole nother podcast and relationship advice in itself, but um i think the key is just communication in any relationship my the lady i'm with now she's all for it i just say hey i want to do this she goes okay go for it and she's a workaholic so she's working all the time it's just communication is key really so i was like hey i want to go hunting with my buddy tj and this is what we're gonna do this is where we're gonna be and this is the date she's like all right go for it um, obviously I'm not doing a lot of the out of state stuff, so I'm not gone for a long portion of time. Um, the most I'll be gone, obviously with my kid's schedule, I can only be gone for like four days. So, and most of those are the, what I did when, uh, those bear hunts. So I would drive up on a Friday and I wouldn't come back home till Sunday. And then this year I'm planning on doing a little bit longer, leaving like Thursdays. And coming back on Sundays because I got my kids every Monday. So you you do have to be pretty intentional with those four days. And I think it could be an advantage. Hear me out, Austin. Like I'm guilty of like taking these 10, 14 day hunts. And if you add all those days up, like there's got to be a couple days in there where the hunting just sucks or you're burnout and you're not uh, your sharpest. And I had Travis Nowatney on here one time from Idaho, and he, you know, he's a blue collar uh, electrician, and he only gets four days at a time, but he kills a lot of big animals, and from what I've seen, and he told me it's just like, uh, it sucks to go back to work, but man, that's all I'm thinking about while I'm at work, and I'm like planning every step of my next four day stretch, and when I get to execute, I crush, um, and so I think it could be an advantage. Yo, yeah, it's definitely. It it makes the mindset. I think you're a lot more aggressive, especially when you're hunting. That it's you're trying to get it done. So the one downside that it is that I could see from is being too aggressive. So it's like, should I go over that hill? What's over on that other side of the hill? And then before you know it, you're on that side of the hill, and you're like, all right, well that was kind of stupid. I should have stayed back there. Or I mean, if you get too aggressive, obviously. Uh, you end up wearing yourself out, but you start planning things out. Like you were saying, um, it was like, all right, on this trip, what I do wrong. And then you get that squared away. You write it down, figure it out the next trip, get that squared away. And like time is super precious. So there's not a lot of diddly daddling around. You uh, wake up early and put your boots on and get going, man. Lot And I do a lot of hiking. And that was the one thing that's super nice just recently doing all this public land is I realized how out of shape I was just doing the hunting around here in the Bay Area is absolutely nothing compared to just hoofing it in the mountains. It is a ball buster getting out there. Just one thing, you need good boots, need determination make sure you're hydrated and it's just a completely different game changer just going out there. But yeah, four, three to four days trying to get it done. Um, it's mentally taxing 
And then like you were saying, you get back to work if you didn't get anything and that's haunting you all week. And the way I have my schedule with my kids is I have them every other weekend. So when I was doing bear hunts, I would hunt the weekend I didn't have them. And then I'd have that whole entire week into the weekend where I had them. And then the next week I'm kind of planning and prepping and getting everything ready for the next weekend to actually go out and hunt it, at the end, just especially going by myself. Cause a lot of my friends are like, I don't want to go bear hunting with a bow by myself or with you out in the woods. And up until actually, I think this year, they, it was illegal in California to carry a sidearm on you. That sounds like California. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stupid. Yeah. So they just opened that up this year. So you can carry a sidearm on you. So that was really nice. And uh, my lady appreciated having a sidearm on me going out in the woods by myself. You know, that's California, Washington, Oregon, very liberal states. Uh, I don't get political because I just, I don't, but they have some really crappy laws. You know, in California, you can't even, you can't hunt mountain lions and you can't even own or possess like a taxidermy mountain lion of anything. It's crazy, right? And like Oregon, Washington has shit ton of wolves, can't hunt them. They don't have any management in place. Uh, Washington had that same rule where you couldn't carry a firearm, no pistol, while hunting and we got seriously we have a a wildlife refuge area in the northeast corner designated for problem grizzly bears plus you get some from idaho and canada and it's just it's just crazy what uh at least you have a bear season at least you still have hunting in california um and it's cool to meet people like yourself that yeah man you live right there i-5 corridor but you're still getting out there and bow hunting i love that um Let's talk about your Mr. Cali Bowhunter's fitness. Like you said it like you hunting kind of opened your eyes to your conditioning wasn't where it needs to be. So take us through what some of your last couple of workout bouts and kind of what your style is um just so we can get an idea how you you how you prepare to do what we love. A year and a half, 2 years ago, I was morbidly obese. I was like 320, 330. Shut the front door. Are you serious? Yeah, I look like I ate myself, to be honest with you, and <laughs> most small children in my path. And um, that was due to uh, relationship problems. I had lead poisoning, so I was just all mentally screwed up. And I kind of started listening to like self-help stuff, and I started realizing that I just need to get my act together. And so I changed my diet of that helped a lot. Um, and also not drinking a boatload of beers every day. That's a problem of mine. I love beer. So it's so good. Once it hits your lips, man, <laughs> it is so, so good. Um, <laughs> I actually, to start, I went cold Turkey for almost two months. Oh, for real? No, beer, no alcohol. I'd wake up early. I'd have just something small, like peanut butter and toast. And then I go to work after I drop the kids off and I have an hour break at work. Uh, what I would do is for the first 30 minutes for a 30 minutes straight, I would jump rope until I would either clip my toe and cry or just couldn't go anymore with my just jumping. And then I would just do 
push-ups against my workbench until my arms gave out. And then I'd go back to jump rope and I'd do that for a solid 30 minutes, five days a week. And then one thing I was super guilty of is coming home and just sitting on the sofa and just kind of trying to relax. And what I did there is I'd just come home and I'd make sure I wouldn't sit for two hours once I got home, just making sure I was staying active, doing more things. That's huge, man. People overlook that. It is just like the super small things. And I was eating a lot more salads. Um, I I still ate like breads and carbs and all that, but I was eating more salads and less portions of the carbs. Um, Big thing was not going back for seconds or fourths or fifths. And I ended up dropping from now. I'm at 253 this morning. Wow. So I've dropped, yeah, I've dropped 70 pounds, maybe a little more since then. And now I'm wake up in the morning. I'll do sauteed veggies with some sort of protein, uh, venison or just pork sausage um, with some eggs. Eat that. And then I'll do either just a protein for lunch, fish or um, chicken and some sort of greens with that or um, uh, like a grain. And then for dinners, it's mostly proteins and greens again and just making sure that I got some sort of veggies in my diet. The diet thing was massive with me and making sure that I ate all the vegetables. What I would do is I would try to get full on the veggies before I'd eat anything else. And, uh, that helped out a lot. And then the other thing was I got a frame pack, just, uh, it's a Badland summit pack, uh, last year, the year before last. And I would throw weights in that and I would just go for a walk. And, uh, I started with 20 pounds and then I upped it up to 60 pounds and I would just walk and, uh, I noticed my stamina going up and just overall health out sleeping better. Um, I don't do, you you guys are crazy with your workouts. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a fitness guru in any way, shape or form. I would like to actually get more into that. One of my buddies owns a, he's a chiropractor that owns also a, uh, like a CrossFit gym here and he keeps on trying to get me in there, but what's the name? Uh, what's this guy's name? His name is Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Yeah, Ever Athlete Performance. He has a couple uh, um, shops here in the Bay Area. The guy's insane. He does some awesome work. He graduated from Palmer Chiropractic. He did a bunch of different stuff for def- uh, different CrossFit gyms in the area, but now he's got his own place, and he's absolutely killing it right now. He's got a bunch of people there. Keeps on trying to get me out there, but the days I don't got my kids, if I'm not – like, I mean, I if I wasn't talking to you right now, I'd probably be hunting. So – I'm getting my workouts, hiking the hills. I got my pack on. It's not super heavy. I just my essentials in it. But if I get a hog or whatever it may be in the season, I pack it out. And I kind of get my workout just being active, not slinging weights around as much as I probably should. Um, I know I've noticed my back issues would have been probably better if I did do that. I'm more of a pack mule kind of guy. So I just throw the weight on and start walking. Yeah, man, like strap on a 70-pound weight vest and go do life. It sucks. It sucks. And it's funny because I was thinking about that. It's like I've lost 70 pounds. So 
I had, I think the most I've ever had in my pack was 65 pounds with weights and just walking around that is horrific. And there's a place not too far from my, the shop that I work at that I can walk up and down that hill. It's like 300 flights of stairs. It's just crazy. And I just go up and down that once and I'm already out of breath, just dead sweat. And I was doing that during the summer, right before deer season last year. And just the, I felt better after I harvest my animal, knowing that I was easily going to be able to carry that out by myself, no questions asked and be safe about it and not injure myself. And that's super key, especially if you're going to be out there knowing that you're going to be able to take this animal that you harvested and bring it back to your friends and family to eat. I mean, if you're not able to do that, you shouldn't be able to go out there and hunt them really. No, you're right. And Hunting is such a cool motivator to do things like that. Like, I want to actually be able to enjoy this hunt. I got to get rid of this weight. What I'm doing is not working. I don't feel great about myself. Like, how can you be confident with an extra 70 pounds of unnecessary weight that's going to only hold you down? Like, how? what's your self-confidence like? What's your self-worth? Talk us through that, like, that darker stuff that no one likes to talk about. Like, how pumped were you to go out in public? How confident were you? when you finally shedded those 70 pounds? Well, it's funny because the dark side, I guess, I didn't get to see a lot of my friends um, when I was married. I was kind of uh, stuck at the house. Um, Don't want to badmouth anybody, but it was, uh, there's a lot of red flags I should have picked up that I didn't. And um, I didn't get to see a lot of my good friends for years. And then... I'd see them like every once in a while at the grocery store or something like that. And they're like, man, you need to lose some weight. And my dad even, he's like, Austin, I love you, but I don't want to see you die because of eating a donut or something. You just, I was big and, um, I was wearing like a 46 or 48 pant. I was, I had a gut and it was not healthy. And I have, I have actually a picture up on my Instagram of this pig that I harvested a couple years ago on my kid's birthday. It doesn't even look like me. It's um, after losing all that weight and actually going out and seeing some of my friends again for the first time, They, one of my friends now wife didn't even recognize me. Um, I also had a massive beard when I was fat. But yeah, just the moat. First off, the motivation, just getting out of the of the bed every morning is key. It's just, I feel so much more alive and energetic throughout the day, just being able to not have that weight to schlep around every day. I feel better. I had, the one crappy thing is you have to buy all new clothes. <laughs> and, but I'm down to that. Um, I had to buy all new camo, did all that. And I just feel good. Now I definitely need to lose more weight. I'm, I'm eating, still eating those healthy meals. Been talking to my buddy Matt about going to his gym and actually doing that on the days I don't have kids, especially on the off seasons. But I probably can lose another thirty pounds, maybe forty pounds, and I'd probably be able to jump over my truck. Just mentally, it's everything because I know for a fact I wouldn't have been able to do anything that I did this year if I was still the same weight that I was 
a few years ago, especially those bear hunts, those hikes. My buddy Matt and I went for a hike the other day and we put on 9.2 miles. I had a pack, we had some weights and just like, it was nothing. It just being able to do that, enjoying the outdoors and well, even just after a long day work, being able to enjoy my kids afterwards is amazing. When I was overweight, I was constantly tired, just wanting to lounge around, just grumpy all the time. I do not want to be that human being again. And being able to lose that weight with pretty easy stuff. I mean, a jump rope and a, a table to uh, do push-ups on, anybody can get that and just do that. And then the one thing I need to do now, just focus more on actually going to the gym or like you have that crazy garage gym. So, I mean, just maybe setting some up like that or just being more active, lifting weights. I don't want to gain any more muscle mass really because I'm 6'2 and I'm built pretty big already. Um, I wouldn't mind being more lean. Just being able to live comfortably is what I'm after. And doing that, just being active, hunting, hiking, being outdoors is a huge key of uh, what got me to where I'm at now. And I think just focusing a little bit more on the fitness aspect of it now will probably help me be a better hunter. Well, definitely will be a better hunter, but get me further into the field. And so I, I, I need to do that, but I feel a thousand times better than I did two years ago where I was. Dude, that's cool. Yeah. So my encouragement for you would be like, okay, if you were working with me and I was coaching you, I'd like, I'd probably crack down on nutrition to that next level a little bit. Nothing crazy that's not sustainable. I don't care about fast results at all. I want the opposite. The slower, the better, the longer it lasts, the end. I love that you said like you eat so much vegetables before you dig in on the next part. That's key. That's key. I think half of everybody's food encounter should be vegetables, and it's a pain in the ass. Trust me. I was just telling my wife the other day, I was like, babe, I feel a little soft. Like I've noticed you've been keeping IPAs in our beer, in our fridge and they look really good. And I've been having just like one a night and we were having veggies in the morning and veggies at lunch. And I was having veggies in my shakes and veggies for dinner and salad and salad. Well, we just kind of, we went that back to junior varsity vegetable level and I felt a little soft and my recovery wasn't as good. So I'd have you step your vegetable game up even further. And I'd have you honestly integrate high-intensity training, functional fitness, call it CrossFit. I don't care what you call it, but you're going to do a lot of work in a short amount of time, and it's going to suck. And I'd have you do it like I, if, if you could get a punch card and just go on the days you don't have your kids, make it affordable, make it realistic, and just kind of advertise when you're going and just do it, execute it. But I love my garage gym, Austin. I am training there tomorrow morning. My wife's going to work her real job. She actually is the only one that has a real job. But she's going to the hospital. So I got the little one take to school. And then I got the other little one during his nap time. Like It's like he only sleeps for an hour. So like I got to haul ass, get warmed up, figure out what I'm doing, and kick ass in the name of better elk hunting. I don't care if I look good. That's probably a lie. But I, don't, I care more about elk performance and being limitless there's my why so there is nothing that's going to get in the way of me not taking care of what i can control and people learn this at elk shape camp austin i'm not the greatest elk hunter 
but my fitness backfills every weakness that I might have when it comes to actual elk behavior, elk knowledge, elk tactics. It's just the ability to grind every stinking second of the hunt that will get you that opportunity. So not to go on a soapbox, but bro, you need a home gym. And I don't think a gym's super convenient for you with, you know, it's really not. But you know what is, is having a home gym because you're always going to be at home to lay your head at rest. You can get a workout in and it's not expensive. And if you have a VXR bow, you can have an assault bike. You can afford it. You can afford to make your own sandbag or use your backpack and get a dumbbell off Craigslist and start, just start slow. But, uh, that's going to be my next challenge for you because we're going to do a podcast with you one year from today. Learn about your elk hunts and learn about how you got the final pounds off and how your home gym evolution. And I'm going to send you 90 days to freedom. So I'll email that to you. And once you get your home gym set up, you don't need much equipment. You're going to start that. And uh, we're going to check back in with you and see what it did for you. That'd be awesome, man. I appreciate it. be my honor, dude. Just make sure you do it and follow it to a T and you'll be there. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely, I definitely need a little bit of help on that for sure. Well, Austin, I know that you, uh, or it's kind of, it's getting towards the later half of the night. So want to give you a plug. I think you're a, you have a blog, you have an Instagram, you have some socials, you have a YouTube plug those so people can follow you. Um, I got a Facebook, the same thing, Cali underscore underscore bow hunter and also Instagram. I do 99% of my stuff on Instagram. I'm posting every day, uh, update my Insta story. Uh, a lot of my hunting that I do throughout the week, I try to go hunting at least once a week. I do that on my Insta story as well. Um, just kind of have you guys follow along when I'm doing it. So they're all kind of the same thing. I got a website as well that I'm in the process of working on going to have some, um, recipes, local shops and stuff like that, just for everybody that's in the Bay area. Um, kind of get some insight on if you do want to dive into archery, where you can shoot shops, you can pick up bows, shoot bows, try things out. Um, that's Cali And, uh, yeah, man, that's about it. Cool. Well, dude, Austin, I know you're busy, but thanks for coming on, man. Like, I really enjoy watching what you do on socials. I see about everything you do, and I really can relate to you, man. You seem like a dude that's just super passionate about bow hunting, and that's all that's all it takes for us to be friends, man. So hopefully I get to meet you in person, and we'll drop this one in a couple of weeks. So I'll let you know when it's going to go live. Guys, thanks for listening to the Elk Shape Podcast. We appreciate you. You have a lot of choices out there. We try to bring on real authentic bow hunters that you can relate to. And Austin, that's you, man. So appreciate your time. Really, really appreciate you having me on here, man. I love your stuff. Thank, thanks, brother. All right, have a good night. Peace out, guys. All right, guys, thanks for powering through and listening to the Cali Bowhunter come on the podcast. Next week, we're bringing on Kyle Douglas. Uh, if you've never heard of him, he won Vegas this year in 2020. Got a little check for 54 grand for getting first place at the tender age of 23. Make sure you don't miss that episode. One of my favorite ones we've ever recorded. The dude is so smart. And we dug in deep on geeking out on archery stuff, elk hunting, horses, everything about Vegas tournament. I mean, we 
great episode. So that's going to be up next Friday. And if you're looking for a home gym program, why not try 90 Days to Freedom? 69 bucks, not a thousand bucks. All you need is minimal equipment. Get yourself a sandbag or a box, maybe a pull-up bar, maybe a rower. I don't know. Maybe you want to run. It doesn't matter. But you can make these workouts. They're all video supported. They're super legit and we're coming out with 20 for 20 that's going to be 20 workouts for 20 bucks that is also going to be video supported and that's going to be my little gateway drug to get you to do 90 days to freedom or 21 days to elk shape so we're busting out programs where our youtube channel's crushing uh we have online elk shape camp which is absolutely undisputed champ of content that's where i put all the videos from all our elk shape camps we've done like six camps so there's a lot of videos going up weekly there you don't even have enough time to go through it all before hunting season but we're going to give you a year access and you can skip around to the stuff you need to work on the most maybe it's the nutrition maybe it's the fitness maybe it's elk calling with joel turner elk calling with dirk durham elk calling with jason phelps maybe it's uh backcountry gear with ryan lampers shelters pack dump backcountry nutrition it could be shooting technique with joel turner in the shot process it could be geeking out on archery how to set third axis all that stuff elk shape camp online check it out at elkshape.com that's all i got for you guys today we're going to catch you next week have the great rest of your week i hope you're doing okay hang in there early april we're going to power through this thing keep your family close be the leader in your household that everyone needs stay positive positive. And keep hustling. Peace.